Hello, Internet. This is Chase Wassener, a.k.a. the Red Shirt King, and welcome to another very special edition of the Esports Gambling Hour podcast. Still haven't come up with our new name yet. Really haven't had a lot of gambling on this podcast recently, but we've got something better than all of our usual guest the line shenanigans. We have the upcoming DreamHack Winter Clash Tournament. It is the Heroes of the Storm offline tournament. It's got eight of the top European teams. In fact, it's basically one through nine with the exception of Navi. And we're going to talk about that today. And I'm joined by Josh Burry, the news editor for The Score Esports. Josh, how are you doing, man? I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Thanks. Yeah, it's great. It's great to have you here. You know, we've been, you know, looking forward to this tournament, I think, ever since Worlds. This is kind of the first big time we've gotten to see all these European teams at a LAN event. Obviously, a lot of them played at the Fragbyte Masters online tournament, which happened uh, a couple weeks ago, it looks like. Is there anything that we saw in that tournament that you think is going to kind of have changed between now and then? Obviously, it's the same patch, and you know there hasn't been too much added in other than uh, maybe people having more time to play with Cho'Gal. But what are the big changes you're expecting from what we saw there, uh, given that a lot of these teams are the same teams we just saw at that tournament? I think one of the uh, interesting things about comparing Fragbyte to the upcoming DreamHack Winter Tournament is that we're basically going to see the play on the patch for the first time, in a sense, because that patch came in partway through Fragbyte. There wasn't really a lot of time for teams to experiment with it. I mean, I had a, I had a heck of a time trying to find teams who even played on the PTR. And obviously they played on the patch for the back half of that tournament, but I don't think there was a lot of adaptation that really happened. We saw uh, a little bit of Thrall and a little bit of Illidan, but for the most part I would say that teams hadn't really come up with strategies that were unique to that patch. So we're going to see play on that patch that could actually represent a lot of those changes. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how these teams make those adaptations. Obviously, certain teams have a history of being able to adapt to new patches better than others. And obviously, it's just different when it's at a LAN. You know, offline tournaments uh, just handle these things uh, in a different way. There's a different pressure when you're performing at an event like DreamHack and you've got all those, you know, the fans watching you and, you know, all those kind of pressure moments. It'll be interesting to see how some of these teams come together. Now, the notable team in Europe that is not here, and there are a lot of question marks around, is Navi. Uh, Navi, obviously... Uh, was at the World Championship. They won their group, were able to get directly into day two of BlizzCon, and they struggled against Dignitas. And since then, they've uh, they've traded away uh, Schwimpy, and they've traded away JPL. And now, you know, they're looking like a very different team and a team that, you know, I, I think reasonably people have a lot of questions about. So what are you hearing about them? What are you seeing when you see these kinds of moves go through? And what can we expect to see from whatever Navi comes out of this going forward? Well, I think first off, you have to realize that JPL and Schwimpy are like world-class players. And if they're getting moved, um, obviously Navi has not said why they were being moved, but they were traded, which is actually kind of a unique thing. For Heroes of the Storm, I don't personally recall an actual trade happening ever. Um, it may have happened, and I'm just not recalling, but like it's very rare. So, <laughs> first off, that's that's a big thing. But JPL and Schwimpy are like world class players. It has to be said. Um, in exchange, they got Zarmini and an undisclosed amount of money 
um, which I, I've not been able to find out exactly what that amount is. Um, the new Navi is, first of all, down a roster spot. So that has to be said first. They still have a spot to fill in their roster. Currently, their roster consists of Alex the Pro-G, Eternal, Splendor, and now Zarmony. I think, like, first off, at, if you look at the trade at first glance, it, a lot of people I, that I spoke to were saying, wow, like, Dignitas really got a great deal here. Um, I don't think that really tells the whole story because, again, we don't know what was happening on the Navi side of things. If, if, if the roster wasn't working anyways, that trade might look really good for Navi. But more than that, I think it's really easy to dismiss the influence of a player like Zarmini. Um, he's a very underrated player, and when he was with Dignitas, he was playing the, like, even though he was their flex player, he was playing the tank-type warrior all the time, primarily Johanna, which, I mean, people joked about all the time that he plays Johanna for Dignitas, but that, but it was true, he was playing the tank, Mm -hmm. and that was what let Thero Angel be such a really unique player. He was playing Tyrael, Chen, he played some Arthas at times, and more recently he's been playing Sonya. Um, so Zarmini really enabled that. And I'm wondering if we won't see the same sort of thing on the Navi side now that Zarmini's there. Um, Alex the Pro-G, certainly one of the best warriors in the European scene, if not the world. And if Zarmini being on that team allows him to play some of the more high-impact warriors like Sonya potentially Arthas in certain compositions. I think that's a really good move for Na'Vi. Um, a lot of times Alex has been playing, like, when they only have one warrior, he's the one playing it. And, you know, he's, he's a really good resource to have, like I said, on a high-impact character like Sonya. But he doesn't get that opportunity very often, and or, or he didn't with the old comp. So that's one thing I would point to for sure. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I think a lot of people... You know, especially if you haven't necessarily been following the Heroes of the Storm scene from the beginning, there's a bigger focus in other esports on individual plays and, you know, you know, what are the KDAs, what are the these individual stats we can point to and how would that plug into a system. But with Heroes of the Storm especially, versatility is one of the best skills you can have. You enable different types of compositions and allow your team to play in a style that benefits all of the different players that alone has a true value to it. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how Navi adjusts to that. Obviously, they need to fill that fifth spot, and I think a lot of how we're going to feel about Navi in the coming months will depend on how they fill that spot. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it also puts Dignitas in an interesting place, because now they have Schwimpy and JPL, two very good players, but players that they haven't had a lot of time to practice with. And Bakery has got a you know, put this team together and find a way to get them to be performing a little bit better than what we saw at Fragbite, where this team got fourth place, which is kind of surprising for a team that was just second place at Worlds uh, not too long ago. So thinking about just, you know, how recently this team has been put together and the kind of complications that come with trying to figure out how these pieces fit, what are the reasonable expectations for Dignitas in this tournament? Well, I guess, first off, the other thing I just want to add is that not only have they changed, like, two major players, but, like, ADRD, who was one of the players that um, was basically parted ways with the organization, was basically in charge of their draft um, for a while. 
Um, I, I can't speak to like very recently, but uh, I remember first interviewing them back when they were Bob question mark and they said ADRD is like the draft mastermind. And now Schwimpy is in charge of the draft. So as a team that's just come together, you have a guy who, yeah, you've played against him quite a bit. You might even be friends with him outside of the game, but now he's in charge of your draft and the team has to learn to communicate what they think should happen in the draft with each other. I, I would not be worried if Dignitas didn't win this thing, uh, but I also wouldn't really be surprised. I, I think that there's so much talent on this team, they could definitely brute force their way through this tournament, but I like I said, I wouldn't be worried if they didn't. There's a lot of things that have to be put into play. Some of these players, like JPL, has a crazy hero pool. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's a great Sylvanas. He plays Diablo. Like <laughs> I, I don't. So so there's they got they have things that they need to fit together in order to make this new team. It's not as simple as just putting a bunch of talented players on a team. And like you mentioned, that seems especially true in Heroes of the Storm. But I like I wouldn't be surprised to see them do well. But like I said, I wouldn't be worried if they didn't. Hey, I think Bakery is is a, a really enthusiastic and open leader who's listening to everybody and trying to get everybody on track. So um, I wouldn't be too worried, like I said, but um, they have a lot of talent and they are a threat to anybody in that tournament easily. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think part of what's going to help is that they are in group A. The groups are finally announced today. And if you look at the teams that are you know, in each side of the bracket, uh, you'd much rather avoid having to play Teams like Fnatic or Liquid, who both did very well at this last DreamHack, also, uh, at the Fragmite Masters, excuse me, uh, as long as you can. Uh, they're going to have some time against this TCM team, which is a very young team that we'll get to in a second. Uh, there, there's some ways to, to iron some of these kinks out. But I, I think you made a very good point just in terms of how much it means to be able to understand how to best use all the tools at your disposal. They have a ton of tools, but figuring out how to put the pieces together, especially on a patch where, you know, we haven't seen a lot of competitive play yet, and especially on a patch, you know, with so many different things up in the air, I think it's going to take time. We saw this with IEM San Jose this weekend for League of Legends, where TSM is a team that is basically being proclaimed as this new super team, and they flamed out in the semifinals because... They didn't really know how to pick ban properly. They didn't know how to coordinate as well as a unit in-game. These things just take time. And I, I yeah. think Dignitas will do well from a skill point, but I would not be surprised, as you said, if this is a team that finishes more in the third to fourth range, as some of these other teams with a little bit more experience uh, do well here. Speaking of, yeah. of, of teams that have you know some interesting experience together, we have My Insanity, former Team Spartanian, uh, they mm-hmm. just got bought out recently. This is obviously awesome for them that they have this bigger organization that's been looking at them. They've got a 71% win rate uh, since October, which is quite nice for them. Uh, and they had third place in the Fragbite Masters. This is a team that seems to be on the up and up. What are you seeing from this team that uh, that gets you excited? And uh, And where do you think they kind of fall in when you're looking at the whole of this tournament? I, I think like they are one of the most exciting teams in this tournament, at least for myself. I Unfortunately, they sort of reached this fever pitch right before BlizzCon season began. 
Uh, they went right to the final of Enter the Storm number three, where they played Bob Question Mark, which eventually became Dignitas. And it was close. Um, and they, like, that at that time, Bob was saying, like, these guys are the second best team in Europe. But they didn't qualify for Prague or for BlizzCon as a result. So they kind of sat on the bench for a little while during tournament season, or sorry, during BlizzCon season. There were some smaller tournaments, but nothing where they could really strut their stuff. And then enter the post-BlizzCon shuffle, and these guys, like you said, they were Spartanian. Before that, they were known as Team Alternate Fancy. They were a team signed by Team Alternate. <laughs> um, so they moved around a little bit. This is a really exciting team to watch. Um, particularly, I would point out that Dark Mock on the team um, actually earned a Thrall ban uh, <laughs> in one of their games. So he... He really likes that hero. Um, I had a discussion with him where he says, now after this patch, his early game is really good. So I expect, first of all, we might see some some Thrall or some Green Jesus, as he is known in some circles. <laughs> um, but this team is a really interesting team also because they just lost their support. Mm-hmm. Um, Gerdam Haird went to Team Liquid. Um, and I guess from, from a post on then Spartanian's Facebook, they said he was getting some offers from multiple teams. Um, so they are going to be playing with Wubby, who's a former member of Fnatic. But I'm really interested to see who they get to fill that support spot. Um, Wubby is perhaps not a natural support. He has played the position in the past for Fnatic, but they also moved it around a lot. And I think he even advertises himself as a like warrior or flex player. So he's maybe not a natural support. But there also aren't a lot of free agents. So while the rest of this team has been playing together for a while now, and they're quite good. Like you said, their win rate is very good. They they really sort of need to figure out that fifth spot. Um, but of course, as you mentioned, Wubby uh, playing for the Matt Fragbite, that was good enough to get them third. So this is, I think this is a legitimately dangerous team. If they could get a full-time support, it, it's hard to say. They, they really are one of the strongest teams in Europe. They just fly a little bit under the radar because they weren't on the big stage at BlizzCon. Yeah, and that's going to make, uh, that leads to a couple interesting things for me. First of all, I love your point about Wubby because when I was going through the hero pools for all of these players as I was prepping for this, uh, he is all over the place. You know, Vala yeah. is his most played champion, uh, because of course it is. But he's also got games on Zagara, Nubarak, uh, he's, you know, he's played as many things on, uh, you know, Zeratul as he has on Rhaegar. It's kind of, it's, it's fun to look at. And by the way, Darkmok's Thrall is eight and four. In professional play for you at home who are wondering just how much fun it is and now it's stronger than it has been in recent play i really like what this team can do i'm just very curious to see how they're going to handle the land environment this is a team that most of the successes we can point to uh haven't necessarily been on that kind of stage you know like i said they weren't able to participate in any of these big blizzcon qualifiers so this is going to be a big moment for them. If they can rise to the occasion, I think it's a big leap forward and a great way to advertise themselves for any potential free agent that they're going to be looking for to fill that fifth spot in the long run. Now, another team that, I mean, this is near and dear to my heart because they're my favorite League of Legends team. Uh, Rocket uh, is in this group. They did not do very well in October. They've done a little bit better in this month, but they did not do well at Fragbite. They went 0-4 in their group in that tournament. They've kind of had those struggles recently. 
what are they going to be looking for in terms of trying to to turn it around and be kind of a dark horse team in this group? Yeah, I mean, first off, you you said it already. This is a rough group for Rocket. Um, Dignitas and my insanity. Um, they they are both very strong teams, and it, it would surprise me greatly if they both didn't advance out of this group. Um, like my insanity, they share the issue of not having a support. Um, they have currently Grand Piquette, who was playing for the old team Liquid. Um, he was subbing with them at Fragbite, or he was on a trial, I think, technically, is what they said. Mm-hmm. So they haven't like locked him in. I think Grand Piquette is a solid support uh, with a lot of just general upside. Like He seems to be one of, a, one of the stronger team players from what I've seen. And I think that he could fit in well on this roster. The the thing that you have to like about Rockat is these guys have been together since June. Besides Grand Piquette, um, they they've been they've been together for a while. Um, but I, at the same time, that sort of makes you wonder if we might not see a shakeup in this roster. Um, I I don't have any insider info on that, but it's been it's been a while. Yeah, it's hard when you're sitting at the you know on the Gosu Gamers ranking. They're ranked seventh right now in Europe. And if you've been together for a while and you're not able to kind of break your way into that higher echelon and be a, a real threat at these kind of events, at some point you've got to look at and, and make a change. And yeah. I don't know if this is going to be that guy. I, I don't – I didn't particularly care for anything they did at the Fragbite Masters tournament. You know, It was a, a tough group, sure, but you know the way they lost to G2, these were not good losses. These were not – always the closest of games and it just seems like they need that extra jolt and maybe you know having the live crowd and everything else maybe that's something but it's going to be it it could be a very tough struggle for them especially because uh tcm gaming a team that i don't think a lot of people have you know are, are necessarily as familiar with as some of these other teams they're the ninth ranked european team but the only event that they've appeared at was the online event to qualify for this particular tournament. Uh, and and now, because Ace of Spades, their captain in support, and Taz Dingo, uh, one of their flex players, could not attend due to schedule conflicts, we have ADRD in this tournament. And uh, Arzif, I guess, uh, I don't know how to, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm going to just hope that I did. From Uchronix Gaming, uh, are subbing in at this tournament. I'm just glad to see ADRD uh, play just because I, I think he's a fun player to watch. But what does that do for this team? Does this make them uh, a team that could surprise some people just given that sheer boost of talent they just got? Or is this a team that's still kind of a, a little bit young and, and not necessarily had enough time to gel as a unit with the players that they're going to be fielding here? I mean, they've had very little time to gel is the answer. And I, I mean, I don't know what things look like behind the scene for them. I feel like if I were in their position, since Taz and, and Ace of Spades aren't going to be there, I would try and let ADRD run the show. Um, you know, he's not he's not nicknamed the Mad Scientist for nothing. Um, he's got he's got like like we were talking about. He has a lot of experience running a draft. But yeah, they're the heavy underdog in this group. There's there's really no getting around that fact. What I uh, what I really liked actually is I I asked ADRD if he had any comments about it. And uh, if you've ever if you ever meet him, he's a really quiet guy. So he basically just said, "No, I am subbing." So <laughs> I, he seems he seems pretty amped. And um, 
Meanwhile, Arzif, um, I spoke a little bit to him, and he was—he said he was literally packing to get on his flight as he was talking to me. Mm. Um, and he's never been at a land like this before. Uh, as you said, he's on Euronics Gaming. Um, this is the biggest stage he has ever played on, um, and he seemed very excited to do it. So, I mean, in a sense, it's kind of a cool story. Uh, if they could get some wins, it would be a really great story. But unfortunately, this group is, I mean, just the, te- the three teams we just talked about all should have a solid edge on TCM. But I love to be surprised. I, I love cheering for the underdog. So if, you know, if ADRD could put together some solid drafts, they, it's possible that they could surprise them. I just, I would find it difficult for him to surprise his old team in particular. Yeah, it's, it's going to be very tough. Um, Dignitas, I, I don't think... Uh, is going to be uh, <laughs> an easy matchup for anybody in this tournament, I think it's safe to say. And when you look at, you know, who they lost, you know, yes, they got ADRD. That's awesome. He's a very talented guy. But you lose your captain. You lose the guy that's been with you guys and, and has been yeah. a valuable member of this team, you know, in more than just what he brings to the game. That's hard. Uh, it, it's hard when you're, you're throwing these things together at, at what feels like the last minute. And when you hear things like, Oh, we didn't understand the schedule properly. That that is concerning to me. I find this to be uh, a very worrisome kind of news as far as as how these kinds of things go. I I hope that they can put it together because the tournament is a lot more fun when everyone's playing at their best. But I think that you are absolutely right to be concerned. So if you had to pick Group A, how do you think it's going to shake out one to four? Yeah, I think it's really hard to see any team besides Dignitas and My Insanity coming out of Group A. Um, I like to be surprised, and Rawcat's capable of that. It's easy to forget all the things that they've won in the past. Uh, they placed first at one of the Opens and then second at one of the other Europe Opens. Um, and like I said, TCM, when you have ADRD, when you have somebody like that on your team, it's always possible you could surprise the other teams, but... Like I said, I, I don't see him surprising Team Dignitas, his old team. And at this point, I, those two teams are so strong that I would be surprised if anybody else emerges from that group besides Dignitas and my insanity. Yeah, no, I, I think that's very fair. Uh, for me, I go back and forth between Dignitas and my insanity for the one and the two spot. Just because yeah. Dignitas is you know, a newer roster and there are some things up in the air that I think my insanity can take advantage of. Uh, either way, uh, those are going to be two teams that are going to be fun to watch uh, in the semifinal. Should it shake up that way? And if it doesn't, then awesome. We got a nice little uh, upset there, which is always fun to watch. We're going to move on to Group B. Uh, and the first team to talk about here is Team Liquid. Now, people who only watched BlizzCon and maybe didn't follow the scene as closely beforehand might not know that Liquid was, by all accounts, seen as the strongest team in Europe, for a lot of the of the time leading up to Worlds, they were ranked the highest on Gosu Gamers even after the European qualifiers were done, which I thought was kind of incredible. Uh, and ever since missing BlizzCon, they are 13-4, and 86% win rate in November. They just won Fragbite Masters. Uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, uh, Gerdamard has you know, come in as, uh, as their support now. And they've got all these other things that kind of seem to be falling into place for them. What are you seeing from this Liquid team? Do you think that this is the best that they've been? Or are there still some some pieces that uh, that could come together here? They could definitely still grow as a team. But I think that our discussion earlier about how you need to use the players that you have to the best of your ability is really 
it's on display with this team. Uh, Lowell has been given free reign to basically play whatever he wants, and it's doing wonders for this team. He played a damage-focused Karazim build, where he basically played him like an assassin that has a heal. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. He's played Thrall, he's played Illidan, like, he, they just let him play what he wants, and it's working out for the team. And I think maybe one of the defining moments in recent games for me was when they're in the finals against Fnatic. That's Lowell's old team, and he's playing against two people that he used to be on a team with, and he, he just went nuts. And, and that, that team is really exciting to watch. And I think more than anything, the, the changes that they've made have really revitalized um, the two players from the uh, the last roster, Vortex and Lucifron. Lucifron considered for many months to be one of the strongest warrior players in Europe. Um, that wasn't totally on display during the decline of the old team Liquid, but he he and Lowell looked like they were just almost like mentally joined in some kind of strange Heroes of the Storm hive mind against Fnatic. Like they were doing work. And, and that's a really promising sign for this team because it looks like Vortex and Lucifron are just as happy with this arrangement as the new players that were just signed to the roster today. Yeah, it, it came together really well uh, in some of those games that we saw. I love having a guy like Lowell who you can just turn and say, do whatever, whatever we need, whatever needs, you know, whatever can come together. We can build around this. And Illidan, I think, might be a legitimate threat at this tournament. I would love to see the damage Karazim again, just because it's, he's somehow five and one on that, on that hero. He's, yeah. uh, he's done some really cool stuff with it. And, and, and everyone on this team, I, I think it's coming together in a way that's just been fascinating to me. Because when you had a team as good as the old Liquid was, and, you know, usually, you know, blowing that up, it comes with a risk. It comes with this, kind of understanding that maybe, you know, Lucifron and Vortex don't fit in with these new guys the same way they did with the old, and it can throw off some of these dynamics. And like you said, it just added a new energy. It feels like yeah. a team that loves playing together. And when you and have that, especially at an environment like this, where you can feed off the crowd energy when you do some of these cool picks, like, I think this is a team that's going to thrive in this particular environment. And I think that that really, like, the rest, I, I only mentioned Lowell. I'm a, I'm a big Lowell fan since he joined this team, honestly. But mm-hmm. Chris, who used to play for Team Rocket, arguably was their star player. Mm-hmm. And he is he and, uh, and Vortex in the back line have really, again, been doing work. And we already talked a little bit about Gerd. Uh, Gerd Amherd, a really great support player. And I'm not surprised that there were orgs out there willing to pursue him aggressively because he has really shown that he deserves to be on a top caliber team like team liquid the last point i wanted to quickly make about liquid is i think that it's interesting because lowell is more of what i would consider to be like a north american style flex player Hmm. where he plays he plays the second warrior or he plays like usually a melee assassin type character or like we said the damage focused karazim Whereas in Europe, a lot of flex players tend to be more like Zarmany or Schwimpy, where they will play a second warrior when needed, but they're otherwise typically like a range specialist. And this is like obviously a generalization. It's it's not true for every flex in Europe and or NA, but but Lowell definitely has a little bit of the more like NA kind of toolkit 
than uh, than some other flex players in Europe. And and the things they've been doing are just so fun to watch. So I'm really excited to see them in this tournament. Yeah, no, absolutely. And anytime you can do something like that to just shake up the meta and force teams to play you differently, it helps. You have to prepare for Liquid differently than you have to prepare for a team like Dignitas, like Fnatic. And that's just, you know, a whole nother mindset you have to get into. I, I think it definitely works to their advantage. Next team on the list, uh, G2 Esports. I've been very interested in these guys, first of all, because I love teams where everyone's from the same country. It's a full Polish team. Yeah. I like that. I think there's something about, you know, just that kind of cultural understanding and being able to speak that natural language, which oftentimes we have seen across all esports can come together. But they're a team that has really fluctuated, especially recently. They had an 86% win rate in October. Obviously, you know, it was lesser tournaments because BlizzCon was going on, but still a very impressive kind of way to go. 38% this month. It's been a little bit more uh, up and down for them. They got fifth place at the Fragbite Masters tournament, but they got first place at the WCA EU Open Qualifier. So this is a team that has really done some some interesting things and some not some interesting things. Which version of G2 do you think we're going to see at this tournament? Well, I think I think first off, we need to talk about the fact that October specifically was... No, I don't want to say a non-competitive month, but it was less competitive mm-hmm. than other months, simply because the the two best teams in Europe were focused on BlizzCon. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't, you know, they weren't doing the same sort of things that they would normally do, participating in events, etc. So, so that's already sort of, I think, like I don't want to discount their wins because they've had some good ones, like you said, uh, WCA, etc. But I. But I, I would caution that like October is a hard month to use stats for. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I, I don't know which G two we're gonna see. And that that's the thing with G two. Like they've be, this team again, this like Rocket, mostly been together for a while. Um they they've basically stuck together since March, with the exception of Bacek, who joined the team in July after the departure of ADRD. Mm-hmm. So the thing about G two is They've they've always sort of like when all the teams are there, when when all the major European powers are in play, it's it's really rare to see them just take over. It and that is a problem for this team. Um, thankfully, they've been given quite a good group, in my opinion. Yes, like Liquid and later, as we'll talk about, Fnatic are both looking very strong recently, but they're still new teams, and that's an advantage that G two can can work around they've been together a while they have LAN experience which some some of these guys don't so honestly if i if i were g2 i would just play safe because you know your opponents aren't used to some of these situations so i i would probably just play safe there's no need to do anything crazy yeah that's the risk that you run if you're g2 is if you feel this pressure to kind of step up to the occasion you look at you know oh my god i'm playing Liquid and I'm playing Fnatic. These are the top two teams of the last tournament I was in. I've got to do some crazy thing to overthrow them. That's when they're going to get themselves in trouble. They have been able to, you know, succeed with a a 60% win rate across the team's history for a reason. They are a good team. They're the fourth ranked team in Europe right now, according to Gosu Gamers and a top 10 team in the world. They've been solid throughout their career. And the last thing you need to do 
when you have this product that you know is good is mess with the formula. You know, we, we know what uh, Lero from Korea can do. He's got an awesome outfit. Yeah. He's got an awesome Uther. Let him do his things. You know, Nicker has, a, you know, a great Sylvanas, a great Vala. Let him stick to those kinds of heroes. They have a game plan. And especially now, you know, now that we're seeing some of these assassins come back in, Joe might be able to uh, do some really cool things with Illidan and Zeratul, two of his most played heroes across his career. There's some fun stuff that they can do. They have to trust themselves to do it. They have to put themselves in the right mental space, which, as you said, hasn't always been the case. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can step up to the challenge. Uh, another team that stepped up to the challenge at Fragbite Masters, like you said, this newer Fnatic roster, uh, they had an 80% win rate in November. Uh, they have done very well in recent play. But as you said, a lot of these pieces are, you know, still coming together. Some of them are not, you know, permanent members of this roster yet. When you look at this Fnatic team, do you think that what we saw at Fragbite is something we can, you know, reasonably expect going forward? Or was that a tournament where some things fell into place that might not occur the same way here? I think that if you look at the raw talent of Fnatic, they have a ton of it. Um, and I think that it's a really exciting roster. They... The thing that I, I might, and this I'm not blaming this as the only reason, but when they got to those grand finals, they got up two games, and then Liquid reverse swept them. Mm-hmm. I wonder, I, I honestly wonder what the conversation on comms was like for that team. I, I wonder why they seemed like hesitant to close out games, and... It, to me, I like. I just wonder about that part of the team. I know the skill is there. They have very young players. Very young players. Like Breeze is, I think, 18. Uh, Quacknix, I think, turned 20 this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, yeah, so they, they have some really young players. Um, so that's, from a talent perspective, that's very good, I think. I think, like, and Fnatic is a great organization at developing that talent, so... Um, there's a there's a lot of things to like, but I like I worry about the impact of that reverse sweep. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen too many of them in Heroes of the Storm. Um, one notable one, perhaps, was the end of season three Major League in North America when Cloud Nine reverse swept Tempo Storm, and that was sort of the beginning. I mean, obviously there were behind the scenes issues with Tempo Storm, but that. That was um, a big moment for mm-hmm. Cloud9 revitalization. So I, I worry about the mental impact that might have on the team because it's it, it's rough to go up two games, be like we're one game away, and then you just can't finish it. But this this is maybe the most explosive team in this tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, Quacknix and Smexy Style both came over from Pirates in Pajamas. Um, add, add Shad to that mix, and Quacknix and Shad are just... They're like dogs on raw meat in team fights. Like they just go nuts. It's great. It's so much fun to watch. So they have a lot of like they like to play like really aggressive heroes like Falstad and Sonia, and that's a lot of fun for me to watch. Like watching a health part just a health part just evaporate is wonderful. It's so much fun. Yeah, it kind of they remind me almost like a like a, a mid tier. Uh, boxer, you know, there are some boxers that you know can throw really hard punches, and there are boxers that can throw a whole flurry of them. And they just—it's it's, it's fight after fight after fight. They're just—they have this energy to them, like you said, that just creates these really exciting moments. And the problem with teams like that sometimes is that once you get punched, 
you know, how do they get back up? Yeah. And this is a team that so far they haven't had a lot of times with their back against the wall. You know, they, they two owed liquid in the group stage. They two owed Dignitas in the semifinals. That yeah. uh oh moment that you could almost see after game three at Fragbite, where mm-hmm. they're like, uh, what do we do now? We just lost a key game. Now what? And, and you could see that seep into their heads. And that's something that you see a lot with younger teams, less experienced teams. And it's an understandable way to come back at it. But what you've got to be able to do is say, okay, that happened. We have to put this to the side now, focus on all the positives. And there were a ton of wonderful things we saw from them at that tournament yeah. and move forward. And whether they're able to do that or not, I have a feeling we're going to learn very early in this tournament. Because if they start holding back, if they start playing a little bit safer in an attempt to make sure that some of those, you know, those high risk, high reward situations don't go against them, they're going to lose what made them such a fun and interesting team. And teams like Liquid, teams like G2 will be able to take advantage of that. No, I just, I just wanted to add that I think that um, Fnatic, like, I, I really want to know what the leadership situation is like. I, I've asked around. Haven't really heard who's taking over captain duties for the team, but they, like I said, that organization is really good at talent, at developing talent. They also have a great analyst. Um, so there, there, there's a lot going for this team, but I, I want to know who's leading this show right now. Like, I, I haven't really gotten a straight answer on that. Um, like I said, there's a lot of youth on this team, um, but Mene, who um, has been with the team for a little while now, is one of the older players on the team. So I'm I'm wondering what's what's going on there, and I'm I'm hoping to have more information for people pretty soon. Yeah, it is interesting that they're, they're the only team when I was looking through that hadn't named a captain, and there's nothing particularly wrong with that necessarily, but it does kind of come to show that there are some things that still need to be worked out. And the good news is that Fnatic as an esports organization has proven to do this across multiple games. Their League of Legends team was the best team in Europe this past year. Their Counter-Strike Global Offensive team is a very strong team. They do infrastructure well. They, you know, get sports psychologists for their team uh for their team so that they can, you know, talk these things out and understand how to handle these kinds of situations. The resources if they're treating this like They've treated every other esports team that they've had. They're there. And if these players can make use of them and, and channel that, I think this team is going to grow into something very, very cool. And I am hoping that that's what we see when we see them in this group. Now, the last team in, in Group B that we do need to talk about is Virtus Pro. This is the eighth-ranked team in Europe. They have not looked particularly strong recently, both October. You know, you talked about October being a month where there was a little bit of weaker competition because the top two teams were out. Only a 44% win rate in October. That's not a good sign. Uh, 53% yeah. this month. It better, uh, but at the same time, it's, uh, it's fifth place at Fragbite. It's third place in that WCA Open as far as their recent stuff goes. It just seems like this team's slipping a bit. What have you seen that's kind of gone against them in recent play and how can they try to fix it in this event where they're going to have some really tough composition in this group stage i'm honestly really really kind of scared for virtus pro they have a lot of great players on that team and they have been a force in europe in the past but they got rid of Cooney chan shortly after prague like after the uh, european regional at prague mm-hmm. and They've sort of bounced that fifth slot around a lot. Um, they were 
they have a streamer named Gela, and she was subbing with them for a while. Um, and then they moved on to somebody named Power of Dream, and then there was somebody named Nathan who was who was subbing for them at Fragbite. So I sort of wonder what exactly is going on there that they can't lock somebody in, or maybe they just haven't found somebody who wants to lock in. But um, it, I think that's a big part of their issues. They've got a really solid core here. I, I think that BKB has shown flashes of, of excellence at the tank role. Um, he's also just a really fun guy. He's a nice personality to have in the scene, but he's quite a good player. And also Sevka, who made the jump. He was playing support in the past, but um, that was a while ago. Um, he's been playing a lot of Assassin, and I, I think Sevka is also a very, very strong player. So mm-hmm. it, I feel like there's a there's a chemistry issue. Uh, when Kuni-chan left it, they said it was for health reasons, that it was affecting his play. Um, but we just haven't seen much from this team since then. And I mean, honestly, at Prague, it looked like they they were a good enough team to make it to BlizzCon potentially. And and just since then, we haven't we haven't seen that old Virtus Pro that I that I've I've come to expect and that I honestly miss. I, I really enjoyed their play in in the past. Yeah, it's rough to see them where they are right now. And and looking at how much that fifth spot is rotated, I think says it all. Power of Dreams had a 25% win rate during his time with the team. That's not great. That's not something that you can feel confident in going forward. But there is so much other talent on this team, you would think they'd be able to find some way to make it work. And it just hasn't come together yet. I would love to see uh, Sebka have some crazy breakout game, you know, either on his, his Jaina or his Vala. I'd love to see, you know, something like that that they could turn to. But at the same time, it's really hard to see a reason why whoever they're going to play in that fifth spot, which have they even announced to their, uh, who that fifth uh, spot is going to? I, I don't know. I'd love to find out and I'm going to work on it, but I, uh, I'm, I'm not sure, honestly. I'll put it like this. Uh, the tournament starts on Thursday. We're recording this Tuesday night uh, at about 9 p.m. Eastern time. There should be an answer by now. The fact that there isn't an answer by now is very concerning, and it leads me to believe that we're sadly going to see a lot of the same problems that we've seen from Virtus Pro the last couple tournaments they've been at. Until they fix that spot, until they have a team that they could work on and build from, which they clearly don't feel like they've had yet, but if they don't find that soon, it's going to be harder and harder as all of these younger teams, these teams with a lot of promise and potential, just keep getting better and better. This is not the time yeah. to to be struggling in this kind of way. I was going to say, I, I was really hoping that they would play Gela some more. Um, I <laughs> thought that she did a pretty good job when she was subbing in. Um, she she is a strong player who was playing in the European Premier League, which is like a private league that players organize and that you can only get in if somebody like vouches for you basically. Mm-hmm. So she was, she was playing in that league for a while. I, I think that she has some potential that we didn't really get to see. Um, Cause she didn't play with the team for too long. Um, I, I would love to see more of her in competition. Um, it, it seemed like there at that point, there was still an adjustment period. The team was working through it and, Obviously, that's not a good situation for any new player to come into, but I, I honestly would like to see more of that. Um, but like you said, like the fact that we don't know yet who's going to be there, I, I, it is worrisome for sure. 
Yeah, and we'll see. You know, that might be the way they announce it. And honestly, I'd feel best about that because at least she's, you know, been a part of the organization. She's familiar with, you know, playing with these guys. If if they bring in yet another person to fill that spot, that's when I get concerned because yeah. then they're just throwing things at the wall and just hoping something sticks. And you can't do that at DreamHack when there's going to yeah. be so many good teams on display. So now it's time for me to ask you the same thing I asked you about Group A. How do you think Group B shakes out? I, you know, that's, it, this is the harder group for me. Mm-hmm. It's tempting to just say, you know, Liquid and Fnatic are going to make it out of this group. And I think if I was going to be betting on it, that would probably be where I would put my money. But I, like I said, G2 is a strong team that, like, at least recently, has been overshadowed by other teams. And they have the potential, I think, with their experience, both on land and just generally as a cohesive unit, to to make a strong case against either Liquid or Fnatic. And certainly if they face Virtus Pro, I, I think that's definitely a match they could win. Um, I know we don't have the actual match setups yet, so we don't know exactly who they will play first, yeah. but... If they play Virtus, or sorry, if they play Virtus Pro, that's something they could win for sure. So yeah, absolutely. I do wish that you know, given that we're less than forty-eight hours away from this event, I do wish we had the you know the match schedule released. I'm not sure what they're waiting on as some sort of grand reveal, I suppose. But <laughs> I think a lot of it, like you said, is going to depend on how these teams are lined up. Whoever's going to play Virtus Pro, I feel very confidently getting into the winner's match. And then you have two shots, you know, and if it's G2, that means yeah. they'll get a chance to play both Liquid and Fnatic more than likely for that yeah. spot. I feel good about them in that situation because they're a team that has that experience that knows how to be there before. And, and on the other hand, if Fnatic falls to the loser's bracket early, either at the hands of G2 or Team Liquid in a, you know, maybe it's a close series, like a 2-1. But if they're at that, we need to win two best of threes or we're done, I think that team is still very young. And I think that's not the situation that you want them in, if you're a Fnatic fan. That's not a situation you feel comfortable in at this point of the team's kind of career. It's one of those situations that could that could either be really great or really bad, right? Like mm. if if they do if they do drop like they play liquid first and they drop that set, that that either puts them in a really bad mental place or like we said, like they they have access to a lot of resources. So maybe they band together, they fight their way out of the group, and when they see liquid again, they're stronger than ever. I mean, like you said, they they beat liquid in Fragbite before they got to grand finals. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe now after that reverse sweep they they've learned some things or some things that they could put into that matchup that will make sure that they don't suffer that same fate in the event of a rematch. But yeah, I mean if Fnatic drops that first set, that would definitely be a scary moment for a Fnatic fan. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm really looking forward to seeing the the schedule for that very reason. But now I get to ask the question that Nobody likes getting asked, and, I'm, and I say I hate to do this to you, but who do you think wins this tournament? People want to know where do you uh, where do you put your prediction on this if you had to? I am gonna go. I'm gonna go with Team Liquid, and that basically for what I saw in that grand final mm-hmm. was extremely encouraging, both from like a play perspective and from like. Uh, just a resilience perspective. Going down two games would have been easy for that roster to be like, well, I guess we lose. Mm-hmm. But they pulled it out. 
And to me, that is very, very encouraging from a new roster. And people just seem to be fitting into their niches so well. I could see Liquid, I could see Liquid taking it. Um, and it's crazy that I'm saying that. Like, I'm hearing me say that, and I can't believe that I'm saying it. But I, I just, I'm so impressed by that team. If it makes you feel better, that's where I'm going too. And I, I know that, you know, it's it's one of those things for me where I just look at Lowell and the versatility that he brings in. I think it's really hard to pin this team down and strategize against them. And in a best of five situation, they have so many different ways they can attack you. I think they are the toughest team to take down if they can get to that point just because of all the different strategies that they bring to the table. And the fact that even as a young team that they're able to handle, you know, being down 2-0 in a series like that, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. That says so much about where they are mentally. And, and this is a Team Liquid team, like like you said, like the first round of Liquid was still really good. They have now rebuilt this organization into something that might be even better in the long run. And that yeah. has got to be terrifying if you are a European fan. Uh, unless, of course, you're a Liquid fan, which you've got to be feeling pretty great right now. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Josh. Is there anything you'd like to plug on your way out? Yeah, absolutely. Um Obviously, I work for the Score Esports, so you can go to our website, thescoreesports.com, or download our app, which is available for Apple as well as Android. Um, all my stuff is there in the Heroes of the Storm menu, so you can go there. Um, I'm keeping track of roster changes, in fact, so you can go there, and at the top of the Heroes of the Storm section, we have a pinned roster tracker, so whenever teams are making trades... Um, in EU and NA region, unfortunately, I don't have China totally locked down yet for roster changes. That's going to be on that post. Um, in addition to my other stuff, you can even follow your favorite team and get notifications when news is published about your favorite team or even your favorite player. So if you're a fan of Heroes of the Storm and you want to follow the whole thing or even just a small slice of it, we have a solution for you. So I, as always, welcome any feedback on my pieces. But that's that's essentially what I'd plug. I, I'd love to hear how the app is working for our fans. Yeah, no, and for the record, uh, I'm a big fan of the app. Um, I'm a big fan of of the player tracker. It was the most helpful thing when it came to planning this. You know, I'm so used to leaning on things like Esportspedia for this kind of thing. But Liquipedia is a little bit slow. You've been uh, on point with all this stuff, and it's been uh, it's been great to have as a resource. I, I honestly recommend that everyone go check out. Uh, your stuff and the score in general, because you guys have got a ton of great writers like Kelsey Moser and League of Legends and and so many other great things. Meanwhile, if you liked this podcast, you should totally find us on iTunes. We are Esports Gambling Hour right now. Uh, you can also find us on SoundCloud.com slash Esports Gambling Hour if you're one of those people that needs to have the podcast right away and you don't want to wait for the one to two hours it takes for iTunes to process anything. Also, Unicorn.com slash community. That's where I do little write-ups to go alongside all of these podcasts and you get to play along if you're one of those people that enjoys uh putting your money where your mouth is or specifically uh the unicorns which i always love because they kind of remind me of the old school mario coins uh and how they're designed and you can kind of play along with these things it's a fun way to participate with that stuff i've loved working with unicorn and i can't wait to watch this tournament and we will I'll probably do a podcast afterwards just recapping everything with uh with Walter Fedchuk. But until next time, goodbye, Internet.